0: there's one new Christmas tradition that is rising in popularity. It started in 2005 with a self-published book called Elf on a Shelf. And a few years later, it became Best Toy three years in a row. And then USA Today called it Best New Book in 2011. And then maybe its greatest stamp of pop culture was when it joined Hello Kitty and Papa Smurf as the newest balloon in the Macy's Day Parade in 2012. Elf on a Shelf. Here's how it works. Parents can order this book with the nifty little elf, and he sits on a shelf, or somewhere else, from Thanksgiving... Christmas and the story goes like this the elf is is watching all the children in the house and each night he flies back and he tells Santa all the good things and the little bad and the and, and and the bad things that the little children are doing and then the kids Christmas presents are based on the report of the elf on the shelf I think there's a lot of reasons that Elf on a Shelf is maybe the new Christmas tradition. I don't know if it is. But I think the number one reason is this. Parents have found a new tool to turn naughty kids into good kids at least for about a month and a half. Simply by saying, Elf on a Shelf is watching you right now. Don't you, don't you want to get... A good Christmas present. I mean, it's a pretty effective little tool, isn't it? Now, if you believe Elf on a Shelf, it's really no different than, say, than say, a traffic camera. If you if you drive around here in Queens and you're anything like me, you know where the red light cameras are. You know right where they are in Queens Boulevard and right where they are on a story boulevard because what they do is when you go through that light, when it's changing, they snap a nifty little picture of your license plate and they send it to you in the mail with a nice little fine attached to it. If you believe in Elf on the Shelf, it's really no different than maybe a security camera in Macy's that pans the crowd to try to stop Shoplifting, if you believe in Elf on the Shelf, maybe it's not any different than an NSA surveillance program watching over all the things that the citizens of our country are doing. See, Elf on a Shelf, traffic cameras, cameras in department stores, and NSA surveillance programs all work on the same principle. They work with threats. coercion. And it's, it's a pretty effective tool, isn't it? People will obey the elf on the shelf, at least kids will obey, as long as they understand that elf on a shelf is just another one of those permissible parental lies, if such a thing exists. And citizens of this country won't run red lights, at least until they discover that there's an app for that too that'll squawk as soon as you get close to a red light camera. And people generally won't shoplift as long as there is a a camera in the corner, at least until they figure out that it doesn't work very well. Because threats and coercion are pretty effective means for getting obedience. Most of the people in this world actually think God functions just like Elf on the Shelf, but in a sense God is far worse than any Elf on a Shelf because we're not talking about what Christmas presents you get. When we're speaking about God, we're speaking about eternal destination. And, and God, far worse than an NSA collection program that maybe knows what you say on the phone and reads your emails, God knows He knows everything about you. He knows what runs through your head and the bad things that that you do. And and far worse than a traffic camera, he doesn't just capture the moments of going through a red light, he captures everything about you because God is omniscient. He knows everything. The the psalmist, he once lamented the fact that God is omniscient, that God is everywhere. Here's here's what the psalmist said in, in one 39 Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence If I go up to the heavens, you are there. if, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So there's a part of us that scream out and say it's God, it's not fair. I, I can't avoid you. I can't skip the red light camera. You're always there. you know everything that I do. you know even what I think. And it's even worse if we think that God is this spy in the sky who rewards us based on what we do or don't do. Some Christians have bought this lie about God. They, they, they've bought the lie that God is nothing more than a spy in the sky. And, and Peter, he once led an entire congregation to, to believe this lie, a Christian congregation. Even Barnabas believed a lie. Look at at what it says in in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 11 to 13. It's on page 6 in your bulletin. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Gentiles joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So, so Peter, he preached a sermon of sorts, not with his words, but with his actions. He drew back from The group and with his actions he said to the people you can't eat with me because God sees that you have an extra little flap of skin and and God God cares about that so I will not eat with you and and I'm not going to eat the unclean food that you eat because God is a spy in the sky and he's looking down so you can't eat with me. And, and you definitely can't eat with God, not at the heavenly feast, not unless you do what God wants. And everyone in the church began to believe this lie. Even, even Barnabas began to believe the lie that God looks down from heaven like a spy in the sky and he loves you based on what you do. Now, we, we in the Lutheran church, we like to think that, that we're immune to this lie. It's called legalism. And, and that certainly a Lutheran would never believe that because we're the by grace alone, by faith alone church, right? But here, let me tell you a story. Some of you heard this already, but I'm going to say it again anyway, about my grandpa. He was a Marine in World War II. And he was a radio man, so these radio men... They worked in teams, usually. One guy carried the radio on his back when they'd they'd make an assault, and the other guy would crank it. And, of course, the snipers from the enemy would would stand there and try to take out the communications team, because if you can take out the enemy's communication, well, well then you can stop them from coordinating the attack. Well, the Marines tried to avoid dangerous duty at all costs, So one of the ways that they would avoid duty was to play cards over it. Basically gamble over who would take the lesser assignment or the more dangerous assignment. My grandpa said, like any good Lutheran in those days, doesn't play cards or gamble or dance for that matter. He said, I will not gamble over the assignment. And they said, all right, Herb. Take the more dangerous assignment, then. He said, okay, I will. Well, the guys who took the lesser assignment immediately died when they went on duty as radio radio men. And my grandpa, of course, because I'm here, survived. What's the moral of the story? What do you think my grandpa wanted me to learn by telling me that story? Well... God loves and protects those people who don't gamble and play cards. God loves people who follow his commands more than he loves everybody else. That's a lie. And that is not the gospel. What if it were true? Just think about that for a second. What if it were true that God loves you based on what you do or don't do. Two things would be true as a result. The first thing that would be true is that we'd be all condemned. Because God would see that angry thought that you've had and he'd condemn you as a murderer. The second thing that would be true is, is not that we would just be lost. That It would be true about God that he knows of no better way to get your obedience, to get you to obey the Ten Commandments than to coerce you and to threaten you into doing it. Because if you don't obey God, whoa, watch out, you're going to go to hell. Is that true about God? That He knows of no better way than to threaten us and coerce us into obeying Him. Today, Galatians chapter 2 helps us to, to separate the greatest lie ever told about God from the greatest truth ever told about God. from It helps us to separate divine truth from a satanic lie. And that's why we need to turn to Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And I can't overstate this. This is one of the most important scriptures in the whole Bible. So let's look at it together. Again, on page 6, verses 15 and 16. Here's what Paul says is he helps us to separate truth from fiction. He says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. No one will be justified, right or made right, or saved, however you want to say it, in God's eyes, by doing what is right or wrong. That's what the Bible says. And Paul can't, he can't be any more emphatic about it. He repeats himself, almost ad nauseum, three times he says this. I want to read it again. A man is not justified by observing law. Not by observing law. By observing law, no one will be justified. In one verse, three times he says it. So we can understand the truth that God is not a spy in the sky who is, who is looking at us and observing our behavior only to condemn us. That is the greatest lie about God that's ever been told. That God justifies and loves based on what we do. On the the flip side of the coin, here's the greatest truth that's ever been told about God. And the Apostle Paul, he emphasized this too. He says this one twice so that it can sink through our sometimes thick skulls. He says, we are justified by faith in Christ Jesus. We may, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ. So here's the truth. You are justified. And here's how this works. Here's how this works. Very simple. First, hear and understand what Jesus means. Jesus means the one who saves. Then hear what Christ means. Christ means the anointing of mercy. <clears throat> Believe it, and without a doubt, you are justified. That's it. Believe and understand that Jesus is the one who saves, and that Christ is the anointing of mercy. Believe it, and without a doubt, you are justified. That's it. You're saved. Believe it. There is no coercion on God's part, no threats. There is only Jesus, only grace, and only forgiveness. So in the church, in the church, let it never be said, ever, that. You must be a member of my church to go to heaven. You must give a certain amount of money. You must behave in this way. You must say this many prayers and then you will be justified. Let it never be said because in the church there is only Jesus. There is only grace and there is only forgiveness. Let it never be said in the family either. Let it never be said in the family. We dare Never lead our children to believe that our love of them is based on what they do. That our love is conditional based on their behavior. Between husband and wife, let a husband and wife never lead their spouse to believe that I will never love you unless you do this and this and this and this for me. Because in the family, there is only Jesus, only grace and only forgiveness and here's the most dangerous one of all with your own soul because the most influential person in your life besides Jesus is yourself and your own self-talk let you never speak to your own soul saying I haven't done enough today. I haven't been a good enough parent not a good enough employee I can't go to bed not yet because I have some guilt about today let you never say to your soul that because what is true is that there's only Jesus only grace only forgiveness God is not a spy in the sky he's not an elf on a shelf he's not a traffic camera or an NSA collection program to catch you doing bad stuff God is someone who sees everything that you do and he responds in this way He responds by sending his son Jesus to be your substitute. So you are justified by faith in Christ.